Well, it is very nice to be here. It is a joy to be here. It has been about 11 years since I have been here. And one thing that uh, uh, Roger didn't say is this was the first Anabaptist church that we went to. And it was in Roger's home. And it was on a Thursday night. And we had a prayer meeting. And after the prayer meeting, Roger took me into his uh fixed up garage that was an office, it was a sign making business, and it was a CD making business, and he had books all over the shelves, and I like books, and he had books I have never seen before, I'm like, where did you get those books, who are those publishers, and I was like, that is awesome, so he gave me a book, it was called The Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down, and I got home with Pam, my wife, and I said, darling, I said, Roger, out of all those books that he had on that shelf, this is the one he thought we should read. So why don't we read it out loud together? Let's do that. And she said, let's do it. And we read it within a day or so. (laughs) And there were some things in there that we had read over and over and over and over, and we had not practiced. So that gave us time to tell God we were sorry to repent of some of those things. And some of those things we did get. And so that was the beginning of our life with the Anabaptist ways. And um, it it was just an amazing thing and a loving thing. And it's interesting how, like, everything is so connected, right? And we're connected. We're brothers and sisters. My memories here are very sweet and wonderful memories of being here and coming here. And uh, they were the beginning of a new life. I remember uh, Pastor uh, uh, Joseph Miller in Seymour, Missouri. He was preaching when we were over there, and he said everybody has milestones in their lives, these things that were really important, that really made a difference in their life. Well, I went up to I said later, I said, that was a milestone in my life when Roger gave us that book and we read that. So remember that we're all to learn together, we're to help together. And actually, if we prepare our lives that we're going to live together forever and eternity for thousands, millions, billions, trillions of years, that we want to prepare for that. And what we do is we help each other along the way. We help each other get there when we have troubles and struggles. We help one another in that. So it's interesting how God has tied everything in. In our song today, peace and goodwill towards men. That's one of the most touching scriptures to me, that the holy angels of God, which are holy, they're looking down on us men. We're not so wonderful to look at, are we, <laughs> compared to them? But they're saying peace and goodwill towards men. And that's, that's what God's idea is goodwill towards each and every one of us, that goodwill, that loving kindness that Christ has for us. Uh, as we speak about uh, the children's lesson, where Elijah, he was uh, given uh, food, and the widow and the little boy, right? For year after year, time after time. And in Ukraine, God is providing food for people to eat. He's providing for them. So God always provides. He's a great, a great and wonderful provider. And so, The focus here is what is God doing in Ukraine, right? What is God doing in Ukraine? And the focus isn't that, oh, wow, Mark's in Ukraine. Don't don't say, oh, wow, Mark's in Ukraine. Say, what is God doing in there in Ukraine? And uh, Glenn, you can appreciate your wife telling you the truth on how you are. Because I can remember before that Pam would say, hey, we were over at those people's house and and you were trying to get attention on yourself. You know the first thing I said? No, I wasn't. 
<laughs> if, be, if those words come out of my mouth, the Lord said, yes, you were. <laughs> and I said, well, how can I stop doing that? So um, uh, a year ago, uh, Marvin Miller, our minister over there, asked me to go do slideshow presentations to different churches. You know what my biggest fear was? I didn't have my wife there saying, you're trying to bring attention to yourself. So I want to come to people in weakness. In weakness, right. And out of the medical team that I am there, I'm, I'm the weakest of all of them. And when I went to Ukraine, I, I was very, very weak. So I just want to read a little something in Corinthians here to get started. It says... Let me get to my notes. First Corinthians chapter 1. It says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that which are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Redemption. That according as it is written, he that glory, let him glory in the Lord. So we will see the glory of the Lord in a presentation. We'll see what is God doing in Ukraine. And it's exactly so many unbelievers come and we tell, what is God doing in Ukraine? We see the war, we see the damage, we see the hurt, we see the pain. But what is God doing? We bring that focus to God. We bring that focus to Jesus Christ. What is he going to do? Who is Jesus? What are the titles of Jesus? What, what do these things mean? And so we try to bring that to God. So let's go ahead and start with uh, the first slide. These are grapes, and Pam and I planted those grapes in Florida. And <clears throat> when I lost my wife, the pain was uh, just almost unbearable. I could almost die, and it just hurt so bad. And I would ask God many times to deliver me from the pain that I have, the loneliness, the pain, all this, and, uh, and he would not. And he showed me what I needed to do. And in John 15, Christ says for the seventh time, I am, I am. If we do a study on I am, it's a big study. You'll learn a lot, but I am for the seventh time. And it says that for, with Jesus, that he is divine and we are to bear fruit. So I'm going to go to John chapter 15 and just read just a few verses here and there on that. And it says, uh, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And so we're to abide. We're supposed to have fruit. And then in verse 11, it says, Those things have I spoken unto you, that you might 
that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And Christ talks about having joy and having joy that will be in you and will remain in you and you will be joyful. So the Lord showed me that to, to be joyful, to get joy and happiness back in your life, you go and help people that are worse off than you, which was many. I have, you know, which was many. And so that really taught me, you know, a lot. And if we go over to Hebrews, the one scripture I really had a hard time to understand. And I'll read Hebrews chapter 12. I'll just go down the first few verses. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also have compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And the race that's set before us, God goes before you. Anything he calls you to do, he has gone before you over and over and over. If God puts something into your mind, right, and it goes down into your heart and you're to do it, he's gone before you already. He takes care of it. Maybe the devil might try to distract, hinder, or that, but God's work will get done in the end. If not, he wouldn't have called you to do it. And so, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. And I, I was wondering, how did Christ have so much joy going to that cross? The forces of evil was against him like no other man. He, was, he knew what was going to befall him there. He knew that he would be even betrayed, rejected, beaten, tortured. All this stuff to go to that cross, but he had joy in the last moments when his disciples, he's showing them in John 15 how to have joy, to serve me, to bear fruit. We are to bear fruit. He says, I am the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. So we stay connected to Jesus, what he wants us to do. So we walk in his way. We can do a study about walking and walking in his way. But the joy that was set before him, he knew he was going to defeat the devil on that cross. Because in Colossians it says that he triumphed over them in it, in that cross, in what he did. He knew he was going to be resurrected. He knew that all power was going to be given unto him in heaven and on earth. So that joy that was set before him was so we can also have joy in Christ in our lives no matter what happens in our lives. Nothing could happen in your life as bad as what happened to Jesus Christ. Nothing could compare with it. Could you imagine taking the sins of all the world upon yourself and facing the wrath of God? He sweated great drops of blood, right? So that was what he went through. That's what he did. So we are to bear fruit. I have never trimmed grapevines before. And when I started trimming these grapevines, they're they're the only kind that grow in Florida, muscadine, and they grow like so many stems. It's like, and they're all wrapped around each other. And you're trying to pull them out. You're trying not to cut the right one. And you're doing all this and you're doing all this. And I learned so much by cutting those vines they were all entangled with each other. And you cut them and you pull them out from each other. They'd be 15, 20 feet long. You'd be pulling them out, pulling them out. Like this, I go, don't get entangled in the things of this world, in this life. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. We are to bear fruit. How are we going to bear fruit? And I'm cutting those vines, developing back. And all of a sudden, on one of the vines, the name of it was my precious vine. It was named Pam. That was the name of the grape. I said, what's the best golden muscadine grapes there are? They said, Pam. And one of the vines that go to this, I cut it by mistake. I cut it off. I went, I almost fell on the ground. It just killed me. I said, 
Why don't you watch what you're doing? Why don't you take your time? How stupid is that? And I'm like, couldn't believe it. And I'm looking, what can I do here? And I found these spindly little vines, hardly anything to them. And I took the best one. It's just a spindly little thing like this. And I thought, I'm going to have to use this one. It's good. It's got to be replaced. And I cut all the others away. And I had to take this, this tape stuff and tie it. It wouldn't even reach up to the, to the trellis, to the wires. And I had to tie a little thing to it so it would grow up the string and then grow up the trellis, you know. But came back, and that vine has grown as big as the one I cut off. As big as the one I cut off. So sometimes you might think you're a weak, and you're a spindly little vine. It doesn't matter. God does all the work anyways. He does all the work anyways. It's God that does the work in us, and through us, and to us, as the Bible says. Now I'm having, <laughs> all my slides went backwards, so I'm gonna skip, I'm gonna skip right to the, Okay, so, okay, what is God doing in Ukraine? If any of you know Anya Hirsch up there, she's been there for many, many years. And so my disclaimer is that there's been people that have been working in Ukraine and Romania for 20 and 30 years. And I go there in my weakness, and God starts a revival. The people. So these people have been working for twenty or thirty years. I just I get I get to get all the fruit, right? And, and they did all the work, and so that that's why I can easily have a, a disclaimer. Stop. <laughs> so uh, this poem is in three parts, and um, and Anya Hirsch wrote this part. And so can any good come from this war? The suffering, hate, and pain in broken lives and bombed out towns, can there be any gain? Is God still good when warplanes roar and fear makes people flee? When rich and poor must leave their homes becoming refugees? Does God not hear the panic pleas as children scream in fright when bombs destroy their towns and homes and life is endless night? Does God not see the wounded lie in pools of crimson red? Does he not care for helpless young whose parents now are dead? Or where is God when this war, where hate and anger flow as freely as the rippling stream? Does he not care? Does he not know? I work with a medical team. We have a few vans. We have two nurses. Nadia, she's Ukrainian. Diane, she's a nurse from um, Canada. We bring in just about every type of prescription med that there is. People cannot get meds. And if they can, now they can't afford them because of the war, the price went up. We bring in every kind of aid. We bring in food, sometimes energy packs. Most places last year, last winter, there was no electric, no natural gas. And so we brought in candles and batteries and, uh, and, and we brought in rat and mice, mice poison because the, the rats and mice were just going through everything. The, some people actually refuse food boxes because they said the, the, the mice and rats will get it before we will. And so it's really a, you know, a sad situation. And when the war first started, 20,000 children were coming across that border from Ukraine. 20,000 children a day. That's a lot of people. And they came into Ro- Romania. The churches had emptied out. My first excursion was with Jesse Troyer. We went to this church to see if we could help. And, and we went there and they said, this place really emptied out. 
And the couple that stayed there were going to leave. They had their bags packed. They're going to go to Germany, take their children. We're out of here. The pastor said, have you prayed about it? Do you think you really should go? They said, well, we'll go home and pray. Because they came over to church to give some money. Well, they went home and prayed, and the Lord showed them to stay. The lady was the nurse. She set up a medical clinic, and the husband took care of other things. And they were uh, taking care of about 135 to 150 refugees. They turned their administration building of the church into dorm rooms for families, dorm rooms for singles, all this stuff. And and they started feeding people and started taking care of them. And almost everybody was gone from that church, and then it filled up. And they had a communion service, and they didn't have enough cups. And all over Ukraine, we can tell these stories, all over Ukraine that we go, I asked Jonathan Mass, some of you know John. I said, Jonathan, he got there a few months after I died. I said, John, was there any place that we ever went that the church didn't empty out? Right down to sometimes to one couple in a vast area where there's no other pastors or any churches. He said, no. I said, is there any that didn't fill up? He said, no, there's not one. We've gone into places that were Russian-occupied villages, and they drove the Russians back out. And there might be just a couple there. And we go with a local church. The local church sing and preach, sing and preach. And when I have an interpreter, since I'm the oldest one, that's that's who they want to share, share a message with the people. And we point them to Jesus. They say, what is God doing in Ukraine? This was up in the Carpathian Mountains, one, one of our first uh, excursions that we went on. And the people were up at this resort in the mountains, and down in the south, their whole area got taken over by Russians. They couldn't go home, so they called some friends. There were some ladies in here, invalids came, and they just took care of them. And the guy's brother that owned this resort has worked with CAM and MIM missions over there for years and years and years. He's the one, his brother's the one that gets us our visas in Ukraine. And so there we set up. There's some nurses there setting up in that village, so the people were there. And uh, uh, we go with... Uh, the local, like I said, the local church. And this right here, when you see pictures of gatherings of people, almost all of them are non-believers everywhere that you go. So this, uh, we we're delighted to be actually in this little church here. And this church is filled up. We're giving them medicine, literature, and aid. And, uh, and then the boys are preaching and singing. Uh, this little boy, <laughs> I got into this one thing where they were doing a clinic in a community center and there was no room in a hallway for me to be. There was no place to set up the literature because they were going in and out all, all these other doors. And this little boy, he saw what I was doing and he was an orphan in this community center. And, and so I gave him a bunch of tracks and we went around and he'd find people for me and, <laughs> and we would give out tracks. So I was very disappointed because the day before we were up in the mountains and people were asking for New Testaments, asking for literature. It's unbelievable. And it was like, and I was so disappointed sitting outside. I'm like, I, I can't track down these people where to come in here and come in there and like this. And he saw me and he just started finding everybody and giving out tracks. So it was a, it was a good day. This is the greeting we get. This is one that's Jonathan Mass right over there. This is the greeting that we get when we show up. This is the local church leader and he's just such a great guy, such a great guy. And we've gone on many excursions with him. That's Alden and MIM. There works, worked for Grace Press and MIM. Yeah, these are the boys. Now the, the there's these are our nurses all the way. These girls are our nurses over there, and uh, <coughs> two of them are from Spokane, Washington, the big Baptist church up there, Russian Baptist. So they interpreted for me the whole time. <coughs> and these three boys, there's five brothers, 
and they are called the Diopolo family, and they, uh, the, their city in Kharkiv, a big city that got bombed terrible, just, just terrible. And so, um, so they left, and two weeks later, the two oldest boys came back, and they told the rest of the family, there's a lot of work to do, let's go. And so their church also emptied out. And so they go, they sing, and they preach, and they sing, and they preach. And I remember it was about, uh, I think it was maybe the third or fourth time I'd been out. And so they had all these people there, and then they're singing and preaching. And I'm just helping with the meds get set up, getting ready to get the literature set up. We're, we're outside. And so then uh, Andre, the one playing the keyboard, there, says, Mark, come over here and share a message with these guys. <laughs> uh, Marina, you come over and you interpret for them. Uh, Marina doesn't talk in front of people and interpret. I didn't really have anything planned to say. I said, well, Lord, this is your deal. I'm, I came here in weakness, so <laughs> I'm really weak today, so I could use your help. And, uh, and so the people really responded really well. This is a whole group of us getting ready to go out. And another, just some more pictures. This is, this is where that happened. <laughs> We're out in a village. <laughs> And uh, uh, this was a really interesting village right here. There were so many people out here, and um, and and um, so they were singing and preaching and singing and preaching, and all the windows were blasted out. I said, "How do windows get blasted? I don't see any holes in the ground around the building." So they took me in the auditorium, and this bomb went right through the ceiling right there, and it just blew the windows out, even on the other sides of the walls. Like you, you can go to a place where there's an apartment, like a five-story apartment wing, and it's got a wing here and a wing here, and and a bomb went over here, and it still blew out the windows on the other wing. They're powerful bombs; they have all different sizes and everything like that. So um, I had just started bringing literature, and we just had boxes of literature, and. All the people are up there and they're singing and they're preaching. They're going to wait. They're going to get their medicines later after they sing and preach. <clears throat> and they told the people, oh, come down and get literature. And almost all of them came down. And these brothers, his name is Mark also, one of the Diopolo brothers. And they're just looking at me real funny. So a little bit later on, they go, hey, Mark, we're going to go to the places where people are living in their basement. You want to go? I go, yeah. So we're driving over there. They're saying, wow, we used to go to these villages before. The people wouldn't take literature. The people wouldn't take it. They wouldn't have it, you know. Roger, you know what that's like when you set up your table over at the football game and how many people want literature, how many people want to come and talk to you. It was like that. So they were, they were like that. This was a, uh, this was in that same village, and, um, this is what's left of a helicopter. And the Russians had come in with his helicopter, and they had a gunner, and he was shooting all his own soldiers. They had got a miscommunication there. Can you imagine? It was just, it was just, so they sent a rocket up there, and, and melted that, 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 that helicopter. People, resorted to living in their basements. Sometimes they go down there at night. Sometimes they live there. These basements are awful to live in. This is set up a bunch of cribs for little children to live in their basement in a city. There's no electric. This this is horrible. The Ukrainians have a lot of love for their little villages and towns and cities. Most of their signs have a heart built into it. It is very nice. And this is a this is a a family. I mean in fact we were we were working with some of our favorite church people, and one of the ladies comes over and she shows me a picture of her uh, brother and wife and family. <laughs> so I said, "Oh, this is down by the Dnipro River." And so then I showed her a picture of her brother and family when we were down there, and we went to visit them. And we went; they go out into the villages, and, and they uh, they work with the uh, people in the villages. And um, when we left, they said, "Well, they said all, all of our family." 
and all of our friends are gone, so you're our new friends now. You're our new friends. And that's how it is almost just, just everywhere that we go. And uh, we went to a resort. They said, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and take a couple days up at the resort. And this man, I'm talking about, that had the resort in the mountains, he had... Uh, he had two places up there. So we went to this one place. We brought a bunch of food because they're feeding people. So we brought a bunch of food. We were dropping off. They go, well, there was a mistake. They said, what? They said, well, you can't stay here. And they said, what it is, we have a, a conference. And all the rooms are full. There's no rooms for you. So we're like, oh, okay. And I said, what kind of conference? They said, well, it's women and children's conference. I said, there's a women and children's conference? I said, yes. I said, oh, can I put out some books? And so I set out all these books. That's a one-on-one children's story, color books, and color pencils. So God doesn't make any mistakes. He knows everything that is going on. And this lady here, her, she lived in a Russian-occupied village, and they were able to get out, but her mother stayed. She would not leave the village, and it was occupied by Russians. And she just wept when she was telling us the story, what was going on. And she had actually had to leave the room and come back because she was weeping so much. She said, you're living in terror. We live in a basement, and you need to go get food somewhere. So you go out, and you know if you can get across the line, there's people who can have food over there to give you. And then you get the food, you come back. And she goes, live in terror. You're running through a field, and a plane flies over. It's terrifying. You don't know if they're going to bomb you or shoot you or whatever. And that's how it was up in the mountains. This is very, this man right here, he is the pastor. Good picture of Jonathan there. But he's the pastor. So, uh, it's interesting because when we went up for our two days of, uh, uh, of vacation, I brought a whole bunch of children's literature <laughs> and some adult too. And so, we're at the back of the van. I'm kind of organizing it and this man walks up and we saw him walking by the river earlier and we said hi. And he comes to walk. Well, guess what? He lives at the, the resort there. He is the pastor. And he's looking at our books. He goes, oh, he goes, um, um, I'm doing vacation Bible school down in the village. And I said, do you need some books and stuff? He says, well, I could use all you have. He goes, tomorrow is the last day. I'd like to send them home with something. So they got sent home with the storybooks and everything like that. So so even if you're not working, you're always working with the, with the Lord, right? We're, we're always busy. We always have something to do like that. Those people were so lonely up there. We went to visit them again. This is a picture another time. <coughs> and uh, so I, I said, well, we bought a bunch of snacks and stuff. So I said, let, let me start a campfire. And we started a fire and we sat around. It's like they hadn't even had any visitors in a long time. And the next night they said, they asked one of the nurses, oh, Mark, could you ask Mark if he start a bonfire again so we can sit around and talk? We just have snacks and talk. They're so lonely, just so glad to have us over. Wonderful people. This is me. You can always see his back, but this is Misha. We're out in the village, and um, and Misha had worked for MIM in Kiev, distributing food and doing the work for thirty years. And they would ask him, Misha, would you share in church? He just other people share in church. I don't share in church. I'm not a pastor. When the war started, the Lord just struck his heart amazingly. He has become a mighty preacher of the gospel. He saw this war and he saw the need of the people. He knew they were without Jesus and it just touched his heart. It's so lovely. I remember we went to this one place and and he got there after we were and we're with a family that have 14 children and we're at dinner and Misha comes along and he's talking and I thought that he knew 
this family and these people, he, that's the first time he ever saw him. That's what kind of a guy is. Just, just like right away, as soon as he's talking to somebody, you don't know if it's the first time he met him or whatever. And this is just a clinic where people come. We give them food, give them aid. This is this is like we gave her head of the line privileges. By the way, <laughs> she come to get food. You can see a, a large print New Testament that's in the box and books. Uh, Anya Hirsch was there at this. There's there's Anya. She's the one that wrote the poem, and her and the girls are, uh, so, uh, Brother Abner came, uh, to preach, and another preacher came, and we, and, uh, they had five, six, seven girls with them, and they came and they sang to the people, and then we started giving out meds, aids, literature, and all that. It was one of the most wonderful days that I have had. And, uh, I think I'll backstep, uh, story. Um, Anyways, I'll get to that story in a little bit. Okay, this lady right here was the community leader, and they organize our, our clinics if they have a community leader. And later on, she says, well, I'd like you to come over and see my house. This is what's left of her house. Uh, a, a group from Grace Press came also uh, over there because they were going to see where the food boxes and all the literature they put in the food boxes goes. So what happened is she has this little log house on the side there. She was letting the Ukrainian soldiers um, use that to shower and sleep in and stuff like that. And somebody told on her. And so the Russians got word of it. And they said she said they marked her electrical box. And then they could track to know right where her house was, and they dropped a bomb. And they didn't know a bomb was coming, and so she thought, I think I'm going to go for a walk. And she went for a walk, just out of the blue. I think I'll go for a walk. And when she went for a walk, they blew up her home. I've heard that story many times. People go, oh, i got to go do something. And they come back, the house got bombed over and over. But that's what's left of it. Not much. See, the roof is now on the floor. Part two. And then I hear a quiet voice, my child, I am right here. Throughout the thickness of the night, my love is pressing near. I hear the sobs, the frantic pleas, I catch each tear that falls. The pain that brings every heart hurts my heart, worst of all. My armies could defeat your foe with just an outstretched hand. It would not be hard at all to stop invasion of your land. Instead, I chose to enter in to feel the pain with you. You're not alone within this war, for my heart's bleeding too. And child, remember, I redeemed the sufferings not in vain. My grace will reach your deepest need, and I will never waste your pain. That is the heart of Christ. We were in a city, and some of my biggest evangelists to get literature are children. They... They come and get literature, and then they tell their friends. And I always let you have friends, have them come over, so that they're very glad to get books and things. The people are poor. This is just a clinic that was inside of a church that kind of set up. You see Nadia, our nurse from Ukraine, and Diane out there with all the medications to give people. And uh, that's a, a, a book uh, table that we had in the front of that church. Um, this is in the Carpathian Mountains, and after... The people that were refugees there left. The government wanted them to take all these children. This is only a half of them. There were 60 children there up there. So we went up there and we brought, so they had to have socks. 
So we brought him up socks and we brought him toys and stuff. And we spent time with him two or three times to go play soccer and volleyball with him. And they were such darling children. They were so darling. We brought up all the books. We had, they had uh, high school age children there. So we bought a lot of books for them also. This is amazing. This was a church that, um, that there was a small Baptist church had about 30 people in it, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, and our friend Misha, he organized this for us over there. So there was three villages. Only one village had a church. And he went out and told all the people in all these other villages to come. And, uh, and they came. And they had actually three preachers. And then they had the youth group that sang. And it was it was a quite a large clinic. It went until night, actually to the nighttime. There were so many people that came there. And this is one of the preachers. And this is the youth group singing. And there's Misha preaching. And you know what that is? That's the literature table. If you could if you could imagine. I am so glad I had help that day. I had about five youth helping me. And as soon as they got done preaching, then I have a little thing I recorded that they could listen to about literature, how God and Jesus gave his life for you. Salvation is a free gift, this literature is free. Hope it'll bless you. And so I played that. And then they told him, oh, you can go over and get literature. And they just, all of them just went over that way because they're waiting to get their medications later. And so it's just amazing. We had two vans full of food. We're giving out food and like that. And, uh, and did it, did it bear fruit? Well, um, when I got back home, I sent that church of only about 30 some people. They had several families in that church, big families, like, the family we stayed with, 14 children. But anyway, so I sent them a big box of all kinds of miscellaneous children's books from Grace Press. And then a few months later, we got a letter back. They said, wow, they go, we had 120 people come to our Thanksgiving service. 120 people come. They were so excited. They were so happy about that. And that's just Going out, preaching, singing, preaching, singing. It's drawing people. God is drawing people to himself. What is God doing in Ukraine? That's exactly what we're looking at here. This is Misha. Him and his wife were the only ones that stayed at his church. And he happened not to be the pastor. We always thought he was the pastor. One day he said, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> we said, what? He goes, no, I'm not the pastor. I was just left here. <laughs> pastor went bye-bye and Russia occupied his village blew a hole in the side of his church and then the Russian army came in and take over, took over his church a place they could hang out right? and so then they, they left they, the Ukrainian soldiers drove him out and he began preaching with the help of the local churches coming, coming to clinics, go preach and sing and preach and sing and that's a vast area you go everywhere and everywhere you go every single building is bombed how long will I have? I just started. Until 12? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is people just coming. We, ah, you see these all over. That is some, that means don't walk off the road. There's a minefield. They're blowing, they got mines over there. Don't walk off the road. And so, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. Oh dear. Um, <coughs> there's a group, uh, there was a group of people that were doing the demining. They were the Ukrainian army, so they were doing some demining. And uh, we were, we were, we knew a village that we were going to go to, and the other med van went with the meds and the nurses to give out meds to a small village, 30, 40 people there. So we wanted to find other villages that were in an area that wouldn't 
receive aid necessarily because you, you can't find them, you can't get to them, whatever it is, because bridges are blown up. And we really had failed. We, we, we would get to a place where you just can't drive anymore. Like the bridge is blown out. You can't go through these fields because it's too muddy. It's wet. And so we finally ran across the, the soldiers with the demining. And David was with us that speaks Ukrainian. And so they, they're telling us where to go. And so, uh, the Lord just put it in my heart to give them New Testaments. I had them right on the dash and I gave them New Testaments. And they were like, they were very, very happy about it. So I gave five guys New Testament. So they said, follow us, follow us. And so we did. And they said, now, don't worry if you get stuck, we'll pull you out. Well, I don't know if you know about sprinter vans, but they can get stuck in this much mud on the level. And we were going, I got a video, we were going like this, I mean, through the mud, their the, the, uh, four-wheel drives were splitting out like this. And sometimes we'd have to stop. They'd say, okay. We go to the side here. When you get over here, gun it and go up here. Don't worry if you get stuck. We'll pull you out. We're like, okay, all right. And so then, uh, then they, we, we thought we got through and we, we thought we knew where they told us where to go. And so we're going, we're going and we're on our own now. We're on a real road. <laughs> and so all of a sudden the lights are flashing behind us and they pull us over again. They say, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way. You can't go that way. We go, oh, they go, just follow us. We'll get you on the right path. So these guys are very, very helpful. And so, they get us over there, and then now if you just follow this road, you'll be right in that village. We said, okay. And, and, and so the, so I gave a couple more guys New Testaments, and the guy, the guy looked at me with such love. I mean, just love. And he beat us like this, like his heart, and he told, took his patch, the commander takes his patch off, and he hands it to me. And this is what it said, paramedic tactical group. And it is a honor. I've only heard of it once. I mean, that, that was so, like, thing. So we go through, we're going through that, going to that village. There's a block post with the army guys over there. And David's driving. And asked David, passport, passport, whatever. So they asked me for my passport. And I just took that patch out. And I go, I go, look at this. And he goes, oh, dobre, dobre, dobre. And that means good, good, good. And he goes, go, go, go. <laughs> that was more important than the passport because he knew what happened. They, uh, uh, you know, the, the gave me a pat. So it was just an amazing day. <clears throat> um, let's go back to here. Now, a week later, a week later, I get a, a message and it shows three people from the demining that got killed a week later, one week later. Was it them? Probably, but I can't prove it. I showed the pictures to Nelson and David. He says, oh, the one guy looks at it, the other guy said, the guy looks at it. But if the Lord puts something in our heart to do, what if I wouldn't? What if I wouldn't? It, it just shocked me. What if I wouldn't have given them New Testaments? What if I was afraid to give them the New Testaments? We're only one step away from eternity. Stephanie knows that. It could be any time. You don't have to be in a dangerous place in Ukraine to die. We don't. We don't. It could be any time. So many schools got blasted. So many schools. This is a school. After we did a clinic there, it was most of the day. At the end of the day, the community leader wants to show us what was left of their village. Russians came in, occupied it. Matter of fact, when we got there, there were Ukrainian soldiers with their tanks and trucks lying down the, down the road. 
don't take pictures, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, so we can't get pictures of lots of stuff. And so uh, they said, well, what happened was the Ukrainian soldiers were in here hiding out. And this is all the Russian soldiers. Uh, the Russian soldiers wanted to know where they were, so somebody told on them from the village. And the village people really are pro-Russia. They'd rather have Russia take over their village. I don't know why they'd want them to blow it up and then take it over. What's left of it? But I don't know. Uh, you know, these politics have been going on for a long time. So the Russians came in and blew up this whole entire school, killed most of them. Many of them were stuck under the, the debris, and at night they were crying out for help, and the, the, the people were so hard-hearted that they wouldn't help them. And 500 people left that village with the Russian soldiers the next day. So this is a big problem in the country. Some people are pro-Russia. That's a bomb hole. That's David, who speaks Ukrainian. His dad was in prison in Ukraine for three years for being a Christian. So many places we go, uh, see a bulletin board in a church, and say, oh, that's my grandpa. He, under the Soviet Union, they put him in prison, tortured him, and killed him. People come out, they show you the family album. Uh, like, everybody in the album suffered under persecution because they were a Christian. Women, too. Women aren't devoid of it. I went to one village that we had gone to about six weeks prior. And it was a small village. And we had drive about three hours to get there from our starting point. And I was sitting there saying, well, Lord, I didn't really choose this village because we already been there six weeks ago and I had given out so much literature. It was amazing. We had a great time. We had a really good musical group that came and sang and preached and sang and preached. A wonderful village. But I thought, we should, if it was my choice, we'd go somewhere else. And so we get there and sing, preach, sing, preach. Everything went well. And I sat at my table. And these guys are standing there watching me the whole time. And finally he gets out his phone. He goes, we live in a village next door. And this is our church. And we have 50 children in our church. Do you, do you have uh, books and stuff for, for them that we could take to them? There's hardly 50 children in any village over there. I mean, it's like 50 children. You have 50 children? Yes, you have 50 children. And we filled up this little lot with books, color books, color pencils, literature. It was thrilling. So God is far ahead of us. God knows exactly what he's doing. And sometimes we just say, whoever makes the plans, it's God making the plans in all reality. And God does the work even when we make plans that might not be the best. These guys, see how they are totally happy. They are thrilled to get that. We see this all the time, all these tanks being shot up. I don't really like to see them. We see rockets in the ground over and over, hundreds of them all over the place. And this is David giving out food and blankets. This is what the bridges look like. They have so many have been blown out. Some of them they rebuild. Some of them they just put a little pontoon bridge in. I got some video system. Now this is just uh, some lady I got on a picture, but when when we go and we when we go and we sing, the people always weep. The people always weep. This is one of the churches. Most of these people are unbelievers. They've been preached to. This is another school. Another school. It's really interesting because um, I don't put the literature away until we are, everything is loaded and we're going to just about jump in that van and go, then I put the literature away because so many people come along. This is some children. They just come walking down. We have the van shut. 
we're ready to go. And all of a sudden, here comes these children coming down there. Oh, open that thing back up. I got my boxes right there at the end and give them literature. And it just happens over and over. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> this is another village that we've going. That little girl was uh, in a car. <laughs> so I ran over and gave some literature. Her dad was doing something. This is another clinic that we were doing with other church members. This is one of the book tables. Uh, some children with books. Grandma, we gave her a walker. Every once in a while, somebody donate a walker. We'll give a walker. We always find a need for at least one. And this is little Evelina who uh, passes out literature. Uh, one day we were doing uh, um, working through the villages, and then we're going to stay in MIM Mission in Kiev, and that's basically our base. We're in Ukraine on the weekends. We go back there. We go to church, and people from Cam and Zapertia come. We have church together, and uh, and so then one of the girls we work with, Nadia, the nurse, she's Ukrainian. She grew up in that area, and she goes, guess what? They're having a children's camp. They're having a, out this village close to this one place that we have gone to before and not too far from her home. She said, hey, they're having a a children's camp there. They're reaching out to the village, which are almost all unbelievers. And so they're going to have it for the weekend. So I said, well, find out if they have books and materials. And they, they said, no, they didn't have. So we went over there. Three of us went over there, and they asked me to share a little story or something. We had a great time. But, uh, I don't know, must have been about 100 children there. And, uh, and we set up a book table. Then all the teachers came with their classes, and then they all got books. And and then I had enough books to leave with them to continue on with the work. So Grace Pest has been wonderful. I can wonderful about giving us all the literature we need to give out. So we have literature to give out when we leave. So you can advance it. If I know anybody that wants or needs literature, they can uh, have a catalog on their phone. And they can order it and they'll ship it to them for free also. So my goal is to get literature all over Ukraine as much as possible. And when we first started out, people wouldn't even ask for a Bible, nor did I bring a Bible. And as the evangelism started, people started getting saved, people started getting interested in the things of God, they started asking for Bibles. And so now we're giving Bibles out left and right, so many Bibles out. And I had a big problem the other day. I got a call because I'm not there, and there was just two of the people from the team going into Ukraine or and they were going to go up and bring a lot of supplies to the people and to the villages. And they were with the, the brothers that I showed a picture of singing. They were at their family's house, and they said they have some events coming, and they need Bibles, they need literature, and do. Uh, and is are we allowed to give it to them? And I'm like, yeah, they are, they are allowed to give it to them. That's what it's for. They said, how, even all the Bibles? I said, yeah, even all the Bibles, because they had a, a meeting that they said we could give out all the Bibles, all the Bibles we want. We can have all the Bibles we want to give out. Where do you work with someplace that has, you know, 50 different publications and we can give out as many as we want, as many Bibles as we want? This is incredible. This has been incredible. <coughs> but when you pray, just remember there's a war against literature. Okay, the devil's gone against that literature and Bible program several times. He's lost, by the way. <laughs> the devil lost. <laughs> children getting literature oh this couple we're just driving to this other village and we're early we got plenty of time and Nadia our nurse who's, who's Ukrainian she says pull in this driveway it looks like somebody lives here because there was just houses on both sides of the ro- road and so we pull in there and um, and 
some people come out. We said, anybody else live around here? Yeah, just the neighbors over there. And they were, by then they were looking out there. And so we had a couple of uh, people from the church and they sang and preached and sang and preached, gave them literature and medicine and everything. They were so happy. This lady went and hugged every single person afterwards. She was so happy to see somebody. And in, the, in, in their house, it didn't get bombed. It was, there was rockets all around that house and throughout all the fields and in front of that house and the side of the house. And the only thing that happened is that some trap metal went through the kitchen window and they lived through it. The rest of the house were bombed. Those two houses next to each other didn't get bombed. They stayed. The guy showed me a Patrick in the backyard showed me a pile of rockets that were, that he had taken out of the ground. So this is the, the couples that sang. Nadia, that's our nurse. So they sing and preach and sing and preach. The other one is Nadia's younger brother that stayed in Ukraine. That's a, a rocket that's way down in the ground. They left it there because it could blow up if you try to take it out. And this is the man showing us the rockets. And so, and it's nice thing. He wasn't a Christian. So I got to share with him about Jesus. I got to share with him about Christ. And so, this is, oh, sometimes there's no place to do a clinic. <laughs> so we do it in a shot up bus, <laughs> bus stop. <laughs> so that's a bus stop right there. <laughs> yeah, no buses coming. <laughs> so anyway, so wherever we could be, wherever we can meet people, <laughs> precious little children. Yeah. This was a, this is a church family we go with so many times and they, uh, they brought all these clothes and, you know what, it, was, it worked out really well because I got to interact with the people for so long of a time. It was really nice. Oh, um, that's one of the songs little Evelina sings. Um, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where I am here. This apartment building. This lady is so distraught, her house was all shot up. Yeah, she couldn't live there anymore, and they're living in this really small place. She just kept crying and crying. This Misha was a pastor. And this Dasha, she speaks a language too. Works with us. This is kind of what some buildings look like going through there. Bridges are out. We ran across Andre and it's, it's him and his brothers and friends and, uh, uh, where we were doing a clinic. They just happened to, we happened to show up the same day. That's the school. This Dasha giving out literature over there. This was a village that was way out there in the middle of nowhere. And we had blankets and had all kinds of clothing and stuff like that for everybody in meds and literature. The guy took us to his house afterwards. This was a little church that we went to. There's so many given up. That's another school. So it's the same school. This is a youth group they had on a Saturday. So they get together a lot. The Baptists, there's the Baptists, unregistered Baptists, they sing. And, uh, and it's really a lot of fun. And on Sunday we had church. And on Sunday after church, or uh, on Sunday in the morning, they uh, they asked me and the two boys that were with me, they, they didn't ask us, but they told us that we would be singing a song in church that morning. <laughs> I, I never sang in front of people in my whole life. I was like, can't sing. <laughs> so I asked one of the Davids that was with us, I go, well, you know, uh, uh, do you know uh, the... Um, Peace be still. Do you do you know the history behind that? You know, and he said, "Yeah, he did." I go, "Well, why don't we share with the people the history of that song? Then we'll sing that song." And I just kind of kept the microphone out here like this, and then they busted me, and a guy goes like this, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> humiliating." Anyways, uh, <laughs> so 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 David he preached first. You know, when you go there, you go to Baptist teacher. They just tell, they don't ask you if you got an interpreter. They don't. 
they say, oh, you're going to be first, you're going to be second, and you're going to do the preaching. That's just how it is. And then I'm the oldest one. I always get picked. Jonathan Austin always were always very happy about that because they never got picked. But this time, for some reason, they wanted David to preach, which he was a young guy, but somehow they wanted him to preach. So he preached a fiery message, a fiery message about salvation, God, hell. He said it straight. He said it right. And then I got up and I encouraged the church and what they were doing. And come to find out six people gave their lives to Jesus and that service. Six people came up forward and repented right there. And afterwards they said, oh, almost everybody there was unbelievers. And so you get this all the time. You go to these churches, unbelievers, unbelievers, unbelievers. It's just, uh, and new ones will come next, next Sunday, right? Because a lot of the refugees come in. They come into the larger cities and like that. And they're just moving around like that. So there's a lot of movement there. Singing, singing. I'm just going through this. These two guys are military, and we did a clinic right right on the other side of the street of a military recruitment center. Can you believe that's where our clinic was? And so these guys are standing there doing nothing. So I thought, I don't want to go talk to them. So I went over there and chatted and gave them New Testaments, and they were very, very glad to get it. I encouraged them to please read it. And like this, this, this is out. This little Evelina singing, our church family. <laughs> Blue and yellow is the Ukrainian flag. So this girl is Mrs. Ukrainian. <laughs> and she's all dressed up like that. And a lot of the young people, they are learning English. So then their mothers or whatever will encourage them to talk to me and like that too. She's very sweet. But they just get piles of books. So that's the school in that village. I'm just looking to see where I'm at here. When I was doing my slides, it got kind of messed up. This lady here was an invalid. The uh, Russian soldiers occupied the village. They came in with guns, and they saw that she was an invalid, and uh, and they stopped and told the other soldiers to move on. Uh, we were at a clinic, and a lady said, we got great big food boxes like this, and I was delivering over uh, to Misha, and he would mix those food boxes with his food and give people bags of food. So this lady comes up to the van and says, okay, I have a whole box of food because I have a family and I got a daughter that's an invalid and I could use the food. I didn't know what to say. And, you know, Brother Adner's been there a long time and I just looked at him like, why don't you answer her? And he just smiled. <laughs> so then she looked at me and I looked at her. I'm not quite sure what to say here because if you give somebody one whole box of food, then you got anybody sees it, they're on you. <laughs> it's not like an easy deal here. And so... Uh, then she looks at me, she goes, well, she goes, why don't, um, I, I can show you, you can come over to my house and you can see that I'm telling you the truth. And then I just smiled. I said, okay. I said, I think God's got a better plan. I said, how about we bring a food box over and we come and pray for your daughter? Does it sound better? Oh, yes, please come. And we went over there. Anya Hirsch came over, the girls came over and sang. As soon as we walked in that door, this lady started weeping and weeping. And then she told us the story. The, the, the Russian soldiers came in. They told her to left her alone. They got her some medicine that she needed. And they, they told everybody to leave that lady alone. So God protects his people, doesn't he? It's amazing. Oh, well, we can take a look at some of these. That's an apartment building. 
can see so much of that. I ask the Lord that I will not, that I will not get cold to that, seeing that stuff. I pray I don't get cold to that. There's so many pictures. I remember when, uh, when Brother Lady in, in Ministries, the board gave me permission to give out all the children's, because it was my heart to get as many children's books into as many homes as possible. And they had just given me permission. And most of the team was uh, was back home, and uh, I stayed there during the holidays. And um, and David stayed there that speaks Ukrainian. And David said, we're going to go down in Bakhmut. If you'll stop by, pick up Volvo at this uh, address. So I said, okay. And I get there, and it's this church. And I go over there, and there's a children's program over there, and there are about a hundred children there. And I knew the people working the program, and they came over, and we had a great time talking. I was able to give them all the information to get the books into those homes, so those families have books. And here's—I'll just play just a minute of their singing. I don't know if you can hardly hear it. Sing beautifully. There's so many things. Okay, I have to finish up here. You can kind of look at these a little bit while I'm scrolling through, right? This is a guitar. It was Pam's guitar. I didn't know what to do with it. I got home. I pick it up. It just made me cry when I wanted to play it. And the Lord showed me to, to give it to these five brothers, Diopolo family. They all play so well so they weren't going to do when i got back they weren't going to do another run austin and jonathan and all those guys and they decided to do a run and they they i said well where we're going to go they said diopolos and so pasha one of the brothers comes with us we're driving to this village that's out in the middle of nowhere he's going i forgot my guitar i had that guitar with me and he played that guitar for days, village after village, person after pill. I said, would Pam be delighted to know that her guitar is being used to preach the gospel, to share the good news? It just made me feel so good. And then uh, at the at the last day there, I presented that, got that guitar and gave it to that family. And I said, Pam uses guitar in her own personal worship, worshiping the Lord, right? She used it to play with other people and to praise and worship the Lord. And I said, to do, to do the same. There's just so many stories. There's just so many stories. I remember these girls were so delighted. They sat out on the blanket going through their new clothes and books for hours after we gave it to them. They're just, and they're so sweet and they're so precious. I can go up to a teenager with a pile of books in front of so many people and say, here's some books. Do you like to read? Yeah, you like to read? Here's some books and you're delighted. If I did that in California with a bunch of teenage girls and walked up and give them the book, it would be dying. <laughs> it would be so embarrassed. They would be so embarrassed. So I'm like, oh dear, this is this is this little Evelina. And the one thing I wanted to 
share with you is little Evelina. And I'm so sorry these sides got all mixed up, but that's her. Little Evelina is six years old. And she lives in a city where it's being bombed often. And she gets terrified of that. But she goes out with her church family, with her mother and her brother. Her brother passes out literature, and she sings a song and says a poem. And it's about little children being killed in the war. And there's not one time that she sings that people don't just weep and weep. And I tell the people, I said, you see precious little Evelina here? You see how precious she is? She can't carry a tune. And I said, you see how precious she is? I go, Jesus loves you that much. You are as precious to Jesus as little Evelina is to us. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. You need Jesus. It's the only way. It's the only thing that can help you. It's the only thing that can help you. Here's the people weeping, what Evelina's singing. It's common. When we sing, the people weep. Our hearts open to weep. Here she is. Again and again and again. She's very, very bold. So I'll try to find the third part of that poem. We'll read this poem. It says, I am the God who mends and heals. Where ashes lie will bloom. Of beauty uncompared, for I have conquered death's dark gloom. Think not that this will be the end of life, Ukraine, and more, for I alone know what's ahead. Great riches are in store. This awful war will bring forth good as turning follow ground, and souls that once rejected me have grace and mercy found. Though you, my child, have lost so much as nothing to compare with what you've gained, for you have found the treasures rich and rare. Of hope and peace within the storm and joy within your soul, the trials of fire refine your faith and grace will keep you whole. And that is exactly how the Lord works in our lives. Every adversity, if anybody had any reason in any room to complain about adversity, it would be our Lord Jesus Christ. All the forces of hell against him, his own people. And you know what? God turns it into good. And he does it before our very eyes. If we will allow him, if we will allow him, we could say, yes, it's from Satan, but God wouldn't allow it unless he turns it into good. He will turn it into good. And it doesn't man mean that we don't suffer. He is with us during our suffering and through our suffering. He is there with us. So let us say a prayer and close. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Christ. We love you. We thank you. Lord, I thank you for all these folks here praying for my daughters, praying for Ukraine, praying for each other. And Lord, I thank you that you bring a peace with us. And I pray, Lord, that every single day we'll wake up and say, Lord, what can we do for the kingdom today other than what we're already doing? Can we do something today for your kingdom, Lord? We thank you to touch our hearts. We thank you to bless our lives. I thank you for protection and love on these families that are here. I thank you to draw others to you in these last days and these last times. So thank you to be with us in a mighty, mighty way. In Christ's name, I give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you much.
Thank you, Brother Mark, for sharing. Um, it's easy for me to think, you know, this war, you know, what good can come out of war? But I changed my perspective after seeing um, just those pictures of people drawing people to Christ and how, you know, it was shared they were so cold. And yet now this war has brought people to um, how God is using this pain and this heartache and how heartache and pain in our own lives can bring us closer to Christ if we allow to. It's 12 o'clock, but does anybody have a question they do would like to ask him that's burning on their heart that they would like to ask him? I'm just going to open up here for just a wee little bit. The question was asked. The purpose you went over there for, and what God wanted for you. The purpose that I went over there was was in um, in being home alone, and it was just killing me to be home alone, and I missed my wife so much. And I already knew, I knew before she went home to be with the Lord how it was going to feel and what it was going to do. And the Lord told me to go bear fruit, and that's the path to joy. He wouldn't supernaturally take my pain away. And he showed me to go to somebody that has it worse off than you, somebody that has it worse than you. And so um, I read uh, on Christian Aid Ministries that they were, when the war started, they were bringing children out from orphanages out of Ukraine into Romania. And I said, well, I could do, I could drive a van, right? I could do that. So I just got a hold of everyone. You, Greta, you gave me the, the Hirsch's uh, blogs and information. I contacted everybody that I knew. Yeah, you sent me about the Hirsch's. And so, um, and so I contacted everybody and didn't hear from anybody for a month. And then Nathan Miller over in Romania called me about the medical team. And it was a, it was an incredible thing. I went over there. I was supposed to be, uh, in charge of a medical team, bring them in and out of Ukraine. When I got there, the, the nurses didn't think that was a good idea. They didn't want me to do it. <coughs> and, uh, Nathan came to me and he said, well, we'll just let you drive for now. And I was happy with that because, you know, as long as I knew that the Lord had drawn me there and the Lord had made my way there, then when we know that it's the Lord leading us and guiding us, then we see him work. So I, I got to work with some really neat people, Jesse Troyer and stuff like that. And then we started delivering literature to places. And so I said one day, can we pass out literature then if we're delivering it to go in food boxes? It's better to hand it to somebody. It's good to put it in a food box. We need that. But what about we hand it? We give it to somebody, right? And so they said, well, yeah, well, sure you can. And then uh, they came to me with this big problem. They had ordered uh, 20-some pallets of one-on-one children's story in Ukrainian language and pallets of color books, and they needed to get rid of them somehow. 
<laughs> and I said, I like problems like that. We can solve that one. <laughs> and, uh, and Timothy Miller says, we'd like to see you get as many in Ukraine as you can. And I said, well, yeah. I said, can I give them to the churches? I can give them out to us. Once we're gone, we're gone. And I give them in community centers. I, I leave them places where the children and people that didn't make it to the clinic will get it afterwards like that too. And the churches go back out. So... I, I went there. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I was in much weak, weakness. And when, when you lose your wife, you lose a lot of the cognitive stuff. I wasn't with it at all when I went there. I was so weak. I couldn't hardly think. And then, then, then I couldn't even, I had to follow somebody driving even. Because uh, I had an old iPhone that wouldn't accept uh, uh, Google Maps. <laughs> so I went there so weak, but the Lord just built it all up. He just did all that work. And, and I like it when I'm when I'm weak. Sometimes the Lord is being able to use me when I'm really weak. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's how that I got over there. And then I just saw the Lord do all this work over there. I was amazed. And the people over there in Romania and Ukraine are wonderful to work with. If anybody feels called to go there, you, you go to good places. Yeah. Any other questions? Do you have much contact with Anybody in Russia? No, not at all. Not at all. So it's, we're not against uh, helping Russian soldiers. If we, if, if that time comes, we we will help them. They're, they're brothers on, on this earth, you know. So yeah, even the, the Church Diopolo brothers that we work with, you know, they they have a Russian soldier was hungry, they'd feed him. So the, the Baptists over there are very much like Mennonites and Anabaptists in their in their doctrine, their matter of lifestyle, way they live. So. You had a picture of a group of children in the mountains. Were they orphans? Every one of them were orphans, and the the, the government actually brought them up there, and the government wouldn't give that orphanage ten cents to take care of them either. So. Uh, so it was a blessing because uh, uh, the person that goes to the Baptist churches, you know, owns that, and so he has a lot of communication with people. So people kept bringing up food and socks and toys and stuff for them. And then one day they were gone. I really, I'm not really sure where where they they went. I, I would like to adopt all of them. <laughs> so, uh, oh, they were so so. They they were. Good children. They they weren't problem children. They weren't put there because they were a problem. They were put there. They didn't have anybody to take care of them. No family. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. They were very cute. There was this one girl was about this big. You know, she wanted to take videos and pictures on my iPhone. I just bought it. And she's running around the mountains. So I say, the Lord, please protect the iPhone. It's expensive. <laughs> and, and when she gave it back to me, it still worked. <laughs> but yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know where they where they all went. We we brought up a whole bunch of socks, and the people that were taking care of them were like, "Oh, that is really good. They need socks," and just some simple thing like that. We had boxes of them that had been donated from the states, probably through Cam, more than likely. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. verse came to my mind like when we're weak God is strong if we try to do it on our own strength uh, it don't go as well as if we just lean on the Lord 
George, do you have a verse song? Ten after, do you have a verse song? And then, uh, Caleb, would you want to close in prayer? If we could stand, sing a song, verse a song, and then we'll figure ourselves dismissed. Thank you for coming.